are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, episode 168. Guys, I've told you I'm not going to disappoint. Uh, I've got a Rolodex of fantastic guests to keep bringing to you. Uh, like uh, I mentioned last week, we had Matt Waldman on this evening here. This is another one of these guys. I appreciate the work. I appreciate the hustle he puts in. Every time I get a chance to talk with him, I, you know, I feel like I come away with something. You know, I, I get a little bit smarter. Uh, nobody works harder in this business, and I'll tell you right now, hands down, nobody dresses better in this business. Uh, in the football coverage world, uh, you know, whether it's covering games, covering players, he's everywhere. Uh, he's got grades from your Thanksgiving Day backyard game from 2007. He was there. He was peeking through a fence. He saw how Grandma slipped on the uh, dig route, and he, you know, he gave her a bad grade because of it. But the, no guy works harder than at football game plan, my man Emery Hunt. Emery, my man, how's it going? What's going on, Jeff? I appreciate the intro. Well, covered too. Oh, you know it. I mean, every time we turn around, well, what's here? What's here? And you want to know what? Yeah, Emery, Emery Hunt already saw it. Already heard of the guy. He, you know, he knew what the guy did in his seventh grade pee wee league. So, uh, but uh, always, Emery, always a pleasure. Uh, it's been a while. Bumped into each other at Temple Pro Day a few years ago, which actually turned out to be kind of funny. Uh, remember Robbie Anderson getting worked out at D back? Uh, I, th- I think it kind of worked out at the wide receiver position for him, huh? Right, kind of did. Yeah, I think it worked out for Mr. Anderson. You know, obviously, you know, Robbie maybe needs to get his life a little bit cleaned up off the field, but uh, on the field, he's shown that no matter what, you know, he certainly found his, you know, certainly found his role. And you want to know what everybody wants to pick on Mr. McCagnin for some of his picks, but uh, keep in mind, he found Robbie Anderson out of nowhere, and he's kind of turning the Jets wide receiver one. So, you know, my Jet brothers, Mike McCagnin, not doing all bad over there. So, you know, let him go a little bit on the Hackenberg selection. Uh, we're gonna do running backs tonight, but like I love to do with whenever I get any of my guys in here, first thing I want is you know I want some of who are their guys are the, you know in each draft class. Emory's a little different. He reco- he covers every level of college football. He's always gonna give you maybe some names that you're not you know aware of. But Emory Hunt, give me some Emory Hunt guys. Some guys are gonna make the football game plan all America team. Man, listen, it is a bunch too, and uh, fortunately I've finished grading uh, all the uh, positions up until I'm on linebackers right now so I should be done with linebackers inside and outside, corners and safeties uh, by this weekend so right now I only have up to the defensive line completed but with that said, uh, some of my guys I I am a big fan of Antonio Callaway's game out of Florida I think this guy has complete game at the receiver position, big fan of what he can do with the ball in his hands he can play all three uh, all four spots actually it, his biggest issue is going to be off the field he has to stay out of trouble but when he's on the field the guy balls out and he turns into a running back when he gets the ball in his hand so I like that about his game um, so we'll hear more about him moving forward also sticking with the receiving core I, I just like the way both Christian Kirk and also uh, James Washington play both guys just play the pro game well and I, I think they're going to Hit the ground running. I know first receivers don't it just usually have a bad track record as a beat, uh, but I think those guys are, are playing above the, the stereotype of spread receivers, above the stereotype of first-round receivers. I think they'll step in day one and be successful. And, and speaking of the running back position, I know we're going to talk about that tonight, but one guy I do like, that, two guys, two actually small school guys, Sam Bendrod, a Carnegie Mellon Division Three player. Um, I broadcasted the game 
their ECAC bowl game two years ago, and they run like a power pro spread offense, and it was phenomenal to watch this kid get out there and, and run his tail off. Um, he's exciting to watch. He's a fun player. He's a, a true tailback, um, and he logged a bunch of carries at Carnegie Mellon. I actually went out there uh, during the season this year to, to meet with their coach and talk with their coach, who's, who's also a legend out there, Rick Lackner, um, and lo and behold in the film room was Sam Bender breaking down tape before he goes to some quantum physics class he his, he was also up for the uh, Campbell Award out here in New York City which is for the top student athlete so he can do it in the classroom and also on the field and also speaking of New York City in the Bronx Chase Edmonds out of Fordham one of my favorite backs I've seen him a lot covered Fordham for uh, you know I do the broadcast for Georgetown so I've seen a lot of Fordham games I saw him as a true freshman actually against St. Francis when I was scouting um, Lorenzo Jerome back in back in uh-huh. the day. So and also all those receivers they had at Fordham to Bucky Jones Jr. and all those guys like that. Uh, he stepped up and played big that day and actually helped them win that game. So Edmonds and and um, and uh, Sam Benger are two of my favorite tailbacks. Uh, and guys, as um, I actually uh, Emery a couple of years ago was you know looking to do things with high school coaches too. One of my high school teammates has a pretty solid program in Carteret, New Jersey, two-time state champion. Uh, you know, I was like, hey, you know, my guy wants to come down. He wants to talk to you about your program, Matt. And he was like, talked to Emory for about 15, 20 minutes. He's like, I had to postpone and make it another day. He's like, I ain't ready for what this guy's about to do and come in here and do. <laughs> and it was funny, but, uh, you know, and I love Matt. He's still plugging along with this program. But, guys, this is the type of stuff Emory does. And he goes into, you know, college programs, high school programs. You get a taste of the program, taste of the coaching staff, what they like in players, you know, what they want to, the young men they want to turn out, you know, how they want to run an offense, how they want to run a defense. Uh, I mean, there's just so much you can see over a football game plan. It's, you know, you're going to learn a lot of stuff. It's probably the ultimate thing to get you, you know, from some of the stuff Henry's done in the past, to get you from April to get your football fixed until we start getting to live action again. There's just so much you can learn and pick up, you know, and that's one of the reasons I appreciate Emory like I do. Emory, the thing I like, and here we are again with another strong running back class, and I think part of what this is is when you have these offenses wanting to plug out 70, 80 plays a week, you're going to get a lot of shot at production, a lot of shot at guys getting their opportunities. You look at Georgia with, you know, the... the uh, Resumes that Chubb and Michelle are coming into this with, you know, maybe it's going to hurt the wide receivers a little bit because it almost gets like baseball lineup type of thing, you know, in college football where you know everybody's going to get four or five chances, each running back's going to get maybe fifteen to twenty chances, so it maybe hurts the wide receivers a little bit, but it is great for a running back class. So you're starting to see that, and you know, here it is again this year. I mean, you know, the names don't stop. I mean, you get into the teens. And there's guys there at 16, 17, 18 you want to make arguments for. Yeah, I mean, it, listen, the last two running back classes have been phenomenal, quite honestly. I, I mean, I'm looking at both lists that I had, both grades, and I'm just impressed with the amount of talent that is now in the NFL and also that's coming into the NFL. So I, I think, you know, you're starting to see it from the youth level, from the high school level. Guys are starting to realize, like, hey, you know, we're going to give the back the football and let him run. And I still have a bit of an issue with the whole uh, running out of the shotgun because you can essentially only go east and west, which is why you see guys have questionable, uh, quote-unquote, 
vision issues because you're really just training your eyes to go one way yeah. uh, as opposed to when you're behind the quarterback you're seeing both sides of the line of scrimmage you're able to read and, and pick and choose where you want to go so that's a issue i have a philosophy i have with what's going on now with the whole shotgun zone read stuff uh but as far as talent is concerned these guys are just as talented as ever and one the other thing is is i mean you know everybody's a little bit bigger they're a little bit faster you know i go to see my own high school now we played grind it out you know ran the ball you know 90 percent of the time and now it's a you know uh frank edgerly's the coach there you know he he served like seven years working in the nfl like he worked at the high school coached the team he left went and did his own thing came back and I mean they're lighting up the, the scoreboard like a pinball machine and it's you know it's so much about getting players in space which I 100% agree with you on the the vision maybe isn't being developed so you know that's going to be an issue and it's gonna you know affect guys but you look at it and it you know it's going it matriculates into the NFL I mean there are these guys you know I mean running backs you go you know everybody's going to play two three guys not everybody has the Le'Veon Bell they like the strength and numbers approach so it's fun to see the way the game's progressed in that level yeah and one thing people don't understand is uh you know the NFL kind of dictates that you run the ball because of and I always make this point because it ties right into quarterback play and why quarterback play is so different from college to the pros is the the hash marks are in closer in the NFL, which means the pressure comes quicker. The quarterback has to be tougher, has to be willing to, to make off script plays, has to be willing to take a shot to deliver a throw, and also it kind of dictates you being able to run a football because you you don't have to you can't spread the field like you can in college with the wide hash marks, and you have to have a back that you have to bring in that tight end. You have to find a way to create a nice little uh, crease in your running game where in college everything is spread out and virtually I, I hate to say it this way but anybody could run the I look at these guys now and I'm thinking like damn if I played in the, a system like this uh, at this day and age I would have ran for 1700 yards easily um, you know these guys <laughs> eight are yards running of carry. Through, 8 yards of carry running through gaping holes but when you look at the hash marks being closer um, now you're going to bring that you're going to bring an extra guy in closer um, which allows a running back then the ability to break a long run because um, contrary to popular belief Running backs love running against stacked boxes or, you know, boxes that are advantageous for the defense because you just got to break the first wave, make that one guy miss, and it's off to the races. And it's, it is kind of interesting. I mean, you see that, you know, it, it, it even even when you get to the biggest of games, you know, obviously the playoffs who saw, you know, Georgia, Oklahoma, you know, uh, you saw Michelle breaking off big runs, uh, you know, Chubb as well. It, it's, it's all about scheme and balance and hitting the spot where it's at. But we're going to start to dig in here a little bit. But before we do that, guys, the Locked On Jaguars crew, uh, a couple of younger guys, but they are working their butts off. Got some big guests coming in here over the next few weeks. Do me a favor. Check out uh, the guy, Locked On Jaguars podcast, doing a great amount of draft coverage. I knew they were in a tough spot. They did go down to Senior Bowl. Meanwhile, the team was, you know, almost in the Super Bowl, so it was a tough spot for them trying to cover it both ways. But the young guys are doing a great job with that. So check out Locked On, Locked On Jaguars. Emory, we're going to start with this class, and so much of it, everybody wants to make it that it's a one-guy show, and I don't know if it is when you always have a deep class at a positional group like you do here, but Saquon Barkley, I mean, truly special talent, and look, in our day, nobody would have ever let a guy like Saquon Barkley be pushing around the weight that he is in the weight room, but he is a phenomenal specimen. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because I, when I was in college, you could only, they didn't let me go past 
405 on the squat rack, right? Yep. Um, worrying about your knees and things like that. Hang cleaning and let me go past 295. They just want everything to be, you, you didn't lift heavy like that. You, you know, were maintaining. Lift, you were not. It, exactly. Exactly. Okay. And so you see a guy like Barkley throwing that weight around and also being as fluid and agile as he is. He is literally a, a physical freak. He re, Again, that's why I made the comparison about uh, for for him to uh, Garrison Hurst because Hurst was of the same type, a guy that just didn't make sense physically about the, the weight you, you was throwing around. And, and this is back in the day where you didn't have social media, so you didn't see the videos. Everything was worried about or in magazines, you know, or like Prep Star or Super Prep or something like that. You see the top prospects around the country. You read about what they're doing in the weight room. You're like, geez, like he's doing that. And, and that's the difference. But now you see it. And it just is remarkable to see a guy that strong in the weight room be able to be uh, that strong on the field and also that agile. Okay, and it's it's fun to see, and and I think you know it seems like right now, and it's funny because every prospect, and you know this, Emery, as well as I do, they hit their down period where everybody kind of wants to maybe downplay the guy. But even if you want to downplay some skills he has. The guy received for almost 600 yards. So you look at a guy like Le'Veon Bell and the full thing that he brings to the table, you know, and you look at a guy like Barkley, and you you know how much running backs are part of the receiving aspect of today's NFL. Things seem to be uh, pretty safe for Mr. Barkley as far as his draft uh, stock, no? Yeah, this is a guy, to me, he is a, a premier talent, a blue-chip talent. You know, that's the one you take early. That's the one that you don't pass up. You know, this is when you look at backs uh, that that go in the top five, those type of talents, like your your Barry Sanders, your Gail Sayers, those type of guys, you know, uh, your Marshall Falks. You don't you don't take Dan Wilkerson over Marshall Falk. You know what I'm saying? Like, you take, you take <laughs> Big Daddy. The guy, exactly. You take the blue-chip guy uh, that... that Here's a here's a reason why, and I hate to get philosophical, but I just hate hate the oh you don't take a running back that high logic because it's flawed. Um, running back is one of the only positions where you're not codependent on someone giving you the ball. They just literally have to turn around and hand it to you, and it's up to you to make do with what you what you do. And for a guy like Barkley, for a guy like Barry Sanders, even for a guy on a smaller scale like Tariq Cohen. They're able to make that happen and bring that cash register up pretty quickly. You saw Reggie Bush do it at USC. Uh, so backs that have that it factor, those are the ones you don't pass up because it doesn't take much to get them going. They just have to touch the ball, and you literally, like I said before, just turn around and hand it to them. Well, even and if you look at the past couple of years where these guys went high in top ten, you know Todd Gurley, big dividends. Leonard Fournette, big dividends. Ezekiel Elliott, you know, minus suspension, big dividends. If you feel you have everything in, you know, a lot in place, and you're going to add a blue chip talent at that position, I mean, is anybody complaining about? Well, I just added a guy that's going to bring me fifteen to eighteen hundred total yards. And it's so debilitating uh, for a defense to know, oh, we got this team backed up on their own fifteen yard line, and here comes a dude like Barkley. He rips off a 60 yard run and now they on the plus side of the 50 and you're like Jesus we had a great situation we had the right defensive call he just played above the X's and O's and hurt us and that's the type of back that's the the four nets that's the girlies that you're talking about those are the guys that can really do damage that's the Kareem Hunts that you're talking about those are the guys that you take in the first round that you take high those blue chip talents those blue chip players 
and Barkley is that one because he can do it all on both ends of offense. All right. Now, uh, obviously, you know, with our love here for Barkley and the special player that he is, cemented at number one for you, Emery? Absolutely. If I'm the Browns, I just made the case. If you can get him at four, I I mean, but go ahead. No, I'm not. I'm not. not I mean, I digress. I've been saying this on so many pods, but go ahead. Well, here's the the thing, though, um, and I'm glad you said that because it, it ties into another philosophy that I have is you don't game the draft. Let's let's say for instance, right? It, here's a prime example of not gaming a draft and how it could hurt you. Last year, I do my well every year for the last five years. I've done my seven round team mock drafts, right? And I'll have these videos out in March uh, once I'm grading finished grading all the prospects. So last year for the Browns seven round mock draft, I gave them Watson and Fournette, and Browns fans ripped me. It was like, why would you take Watson number one and you don't take a running back that high? Da da da. So let's fast forward. How would that have worked out? (laughs) Imagine if they would have had Watson and Fournette, right? Um, Now, I do like how they ended up drafting. I I gave them an A-plus for their draft. I do like Kaiser. I think Kaiser is a real good player. Um, Ignore what he did last year as a 21-year-old rookie. Same statistical uh, rookie year as a uh, uh, Matt Stafford, um, Pete Manning. As far as turnovers is concerned, what people don't bring up about Kaiser is his ability to help y'all in the running game. Seven rushing touchdowns over 500 yards. So I think he's a, a talent that you don't pass up on. So with that said, you have a you have a need at running back. You don't game the draft because you don't know what's going to happen. For all intents and purposes, let's say you want to wait until four to get Barkley. The Giants sit there at number two with a gaping hole at running back and also quarterback. But a gaping hole at running back, they may take Barkley. Somebody else may trade up. Let's say last year the Browns really wanted, and this is all hearsay, but let's say they really wanted Pat Mahomes. And they were going to wait to take Pat Mahomes. Next thing you know, someone traded up to, to, to get that guy, right? So if you have a need, take the best players when you can. Don't worry about trying to work the board and work the system. You can only work that toward the end of the back end of a round when you know, okay, these teams have picked, these players are left. Now we can probably move up. If you're in the top five, take the best players when you can. I don't care if it's a running back. That's That's, you know, you don't take him high. Take him. You know, that's the guy that can score touchdowns. I want all the touchdowns. I want all the interceptions. I want all the sacks in that order. And that's the thing. And, you know, I I understand that probably they are going to take a quarterback. And, look, Deshaun Kaiser was my number one quarterback last year. And I think he kind of, at 20 years old at Notre Dame, went from a terrible situation to 21 years old, went to maybe even a worse position because here he was a rookie in the NFL and now he was getting dumped on yet again. Maybe Brian Kelly put a lot more on him, which you could understand in a college program as the top player probably at that program at the time. But, you know, for Hugh Jackson basically to try to save his own job by railroading a 21-year-old quarterback, you know, that was my issue there. Uh, I do think they will add, with you know, which I get it, you know, please don't make it A.J. McCarron because, I mean, Browns fans, you don't know who A.J. McCarron is. You don't, you know, nobody studied who A.J. McCarron was from four years ago. The guy who was too good for the Senior Bowl. The guy who took offense to having to go to New England because, you know, what do you need me for? You guys, you know, I'm a starting quarterback. You have a starting quarterback. There's a lot in place. Just stick to what you're doing. But bringing in a guy like Saquon Barkley, and you see where these running backs have been drafted and succeeded. And this goes back to the early stages when I took the show over. It's not that far-fetched that when a running back succeeds at 10, 6, 4, that will succeed at 1, right? 
here's the other part too of that equation. People always say don't take running backs in the first round or take them high. You can get Kareem Hunt in the third round. They love saying that, right? Or you can get Le'Veon Bell in round five. But what they don't understand is that in redrafts, all those running backs are going the first round. Exactly. Kareem Hunt going the first round. Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Tarek Kamara. All these guys going the first round. The first round probably be filled with sixteen running backs in redrafts. And so two take pass the best rushers. Exactly, two pass rushers. Take it. No offensive linemen. Take the best players when you can. Okay, now Emery. Uh, obviously, the way we know where you're at at one here. Uh, fill out your two through five for me. Uh, running back position. And out here in New York City, I cover the Giants uh, on a routinely basis. Uh, you know, attending the games and also the training camps and uh, mini camp practices. Uh, I'd say they have to get ready for Eli's departure. The Giants fans don't want to hear it, but Eli cost them some games last year, in particular because he couldn't get out of the way of pressure. With that said, I would go Lamar Jackson at number two. And that way it gives you the luxury of having Eli Man there for a year or whenever that contract is up. I think it's up after this season. You don't have to renew him. You have a young guy right there in waiting ready to go and also keeps you competitive within the division that has a Dak Prescott, a Carson Wentz, and now an Alex Smith. Uh, so, And he's not going to be there long either. So you want to beat the Redskins to the punch, get a guy that can be your franchise quarterback after your franchise quarterback retires or you push him out the side. So I would say Lamar Jackson, number two. At number three, the Indianapolis Colts. This would have been a spot to go with Barkley if Barkley didn't go at, uh, at number one. But I look at them needing help on defense. You know, got to find ways to affect the pocket. I love the playmakers they added on the back end, so I think they're fine as far as guys that can take the ball away. Now they need sacks. Bradley Chubb would be perfect right there for the Indianapolis Colts. And number four with the Cleveland Browns, I want touchdowns. I want interceptions. I want sacks. I got touchdowns at number one. Sacks are taken off the board. Now I'm looking at interceptions. I go Minka Fitzpatrick out of Alabama. Well, let's see, uh, you know, so that'd be fantastic, you know, a Jersey boy going top four, not to mention the uh, other Jersey boy out of Notre Dame from my high school, so Quentin Nelson, we love you to death, big guy, um, <laughs> but as far as the running back position, uh, obviously, you know, Saquon, you're comfortable with that one, everybody's going to vary here, it, it, you know, when you start stacking these running backs and you go down from... You know, Saquon Barkley, and look, I know the new popular in vogue thing is to go Darius Geis, and I'm not against Darius Geis. I think he's a fantastic running back. I think we're firm and secure with who the number one running back is. But start stacking some guys after Saquon for me. Yeah, absolutely. My my two through five, um, I have Rashad Penny at number two out of San Diego State. Big fan of his game. This is another Home one. run hitter. Bingo. I love touchdowns. This guy <laughs> racks up touchdowns. And you know this, Jeff. Uh, when you return kicks, you have to be fast. You know, when you return punch, you have to be quick. Especially at LSU. I mean, they got track guys there just to return kicks. No, I'm talking about at San Diego State. At oh, Rashad I'm sorry. Penny. Yeah, well, Penny as well, of course. Yeah, Penny uh, Penny is my number two. And yes. so so you got a guy that returned kicks at, at San Diego State. Stepped in. You can't even name a receiver for San Diego State, can you? Exactly. <laughs> or the quarterback. Why? Because they knew going in. Penny is going to be the reason why we're going to win games. Teams knew that going in, couldn't stop him. He ran for over 2,200 yards and also scored multiple touchdowns last year as a backup and this year as a full-time starter. So he is that home run hitter. Reminds me a lot of Willis McGahee pre-injury. Um, third, I have Sony Michelle out of Georgia. That's Love my dude. That's, that's, my, 
I've he started. Is, the, I've started the hashtag. Bring that dog to the pound. I want him in Cleveland bad. He reminds me so much of uh, Clinton Portis, and I, I think when you look at Sony Michelle, and and you're you're not getting the 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 original version because he had a knee injury, so he doesn't have the same type of explosiveness that he had coming out of high school. Like pre-injury, he was just like Keith Marshall as far as like from zero to sixty gone, and so but he still can take it a long way, but I don't think he still has that same. It's almost like looking at Clinton Porter's in Denver and Clinton Porter's with the Redskins. Two different backs, but the same guy. So I, I think Mike, uh, Sony Michelle is the same type of player. Uh, big fan of his game. At number four, I have Mark Walton out of Miami. Just probably one of the more fluid runners in college football and just the way he's able to string moves together and, and able to consistently make moves going downfield, which is very tough to do as a back. Most backs have to stop their feet to make a move. He, he is able to make it while continuously going downfield. So He's an impressive player, and good thing for him, it was only an ankle. Not to make light of any injury, but it was only an ankle. So I think he should be fine for the combine and should do well and, and be back on pace for uh, training camp and, and be a big-time playmaker. And number five is Ronald Jones out of USC, a home run hitter, another guy that has the, the game-breaking speed, reminds me a lot of Jamal Charles and what he brings to the table. If he gets to the corner, you might as well get the extra point team ready because he's going to take it to the house. <laughs> And the thing I like about Walton, and I think what hurts him, I like the fact that you put him high, is he was slated to have a phenomenal draft grade. And, you know, obviously my Florida State Seminoles, you know, he got felt, you know, somebody fell in awkwardly, the surgery, everything seems he's a go for the combine. And it's nice to see that he's picking up steam because he should be in this conversation anyway, but the injuries maybe kind of put him on the back burner. Um, one thing I'm noticing here, Emery, uh, and this is one of the reasons I love to talk to you is because you've got no problem being bold, is there's a certain running back out of Baton Rouge who didn't make this top five. No, and, and the reason why, uh, Geis is actually number seven. He's actually right behind Chase Edmonds at number six out of Fordham, who had the same type of injury that Walton had, a nagging injury. Otherwise, if Chase Edmonds played this year like he played the last three, fully healthy, full slate of carries and things of that nature, he would have broken the FCS and FBS rushing record this year at Fordham. So he can carry the load at 5'9", 205, but he has what Geis doesn't have. So he graded out, I use number grades, so he was at 79.5, and Geis was at 78. And the, the, that, point five, uh, that point that point and a half difference is shiftiness, being able to make you miss. Geis has some of that, but it's a little bit awkward. So he's going to crash into a lot of guys, and that right there is not going to yield itself to you having longevity you know, in the NFL. And you kind of want him to start to develop that little wiggle. He had it at, at some point early, and then he started to become more of a, of a power guy. Well, you got to get back to making guys miss. You don't have to make every guy miss. You just got to pick and choose when. You, now in the NFL, you can't run head-on into linebackers or D-linemen. You save that for the corners. You save that for some safeties. You pick and choose your spots that you want to run through. You see a, a, a light linebacker, yeah, by all means, run into him. But don't try to make a habit out of that because you won't last long. He had nicks and bruises this year as a full-time starter for LSU. So if you don't have that ability to make a guy miss or get out the way, it's, it's tough to put you ahead in that, that premier class. But he's still grade out pretty high because a 78 in my grade, anything in the 70s is a solid NFL starter. So, 
Well, and you go back to, uh, you know, it was nice, you know, the uh, bowl game, you know, not this year, but the past year where you dropped the punter on a punt return by the sideline. That's fine, but know when to pick and choose your shots and keep your durability because, you know, as everybody says, one of your best abilities is your availability. Uh, I'm going to hit you with a couple of questions here. Emery, everybody fell in love with Alvin Kamara last year. Thank God I own him in a bunch of long-term fantasy leagues. He's going to pay dividends. Who, if you wanted that Alvin Kamara type, because we did this this past draft year, everybody wanted a Tyreek Hill type. I think everybody this year is going to be going into combine, going to draft boards, going to film. Everybody wants themselves an Alvin Kamara type for their offense. Who's the guy? That's a great question, but here's before I give you two guys, um, I have to tell folks first. The reason why Elvin Kamara was Elvin Kamara last year, simply usage. Because the Jets have an Elvin Kamara-like player on their roster that they didn't give the ball to in Elijah McGuire. So if Elijah if you McGuire... Saw, if you saw that catch he made in New Orleans against the Saints, you knew there was more there than they used. Exactly. And that's the that's the issue. That's why it was key for Kamara to, you know, to get utilized like he had. And that's all it really came down to. Same with Tariq Cohen out in Chicago. It's all about usage. If you give somebody the ball that's a playmaker, they're going to make plays. So with that said, there's two guys that I think are, are really good Kamara types in this in this draft class. Um, Naheem Hines out of North Carolina State, because he was a receiver last year, full-time receiver. This past season was the first year he actually spent playing the running back position at the collegiate level. So here's the difference um and and this is what makes him unique you know playing that position and this this was me in in high school i was a receiver up until 10th grade i was about 180 tore my acl and gained 30 pounds and he moved me to running back but the unique part is i now was a running back that had receiver skills so i became (laughs) uh, you know the envy of scouts it was like wow this guy can really catch and they can line him up and make him run routes. so yeah because i was a receiver and I, I had to grow into the actual running back position, which I, you know, which I did. And so with a guy like Hines, he's going to have that upside. You know, he's going to grow into a, 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 top, a talented tailback. But right now, if you're going to utilize him in, in certain situations based off his speed, based off his ability to catch the football, that's the guy that you want, you know, to, to have on your roster as that, that uh, switch player, so to speak. And Larry Rose III out of New Mexico State. This was another guy that was a three-time All-American up there with the Leonard Fournettes, up there with the Nick Chubbs and all those guys, the Royce Freemans. Rose was doing some damage out there in New Mexico State, who was a perennial doormat in college football. And finally, his senior season led them to their first bowl game since 1960. And the thing about Larry Rose is that he's a slasher. He's like Tevin Coleman. He's explosive. He's like a Elijah McGuire. He can return kicks and punts and he's explosive. He also can line up in the slot and run traditional routes like a receiver and do damage there. He's about 5'11", 195 um, and he's flirt- fluctuating between 190 and, and 198. So he's, a, he's that perfect size to where he's still elusive. He's still explosive. He has long speed and he, he has a chip on his shoulder. He was one of the top rushers in Texas high school history that got overlooked because he was a buck 60 coming out of high school. But the only school that, that saw the potential in him and gave him a scholarship was New Mexico state. Everybody else wanted him to play DB. They left him at running back and he went on to, to become a legend out there for the Aggies. Uh, sounds a little 
familiar to a guy who works for NFL Network now who grew up in Louisiana, and LSU only wanted him as a cornerback, but he went out to San Diego State and wreaked havoc out there. Mr. Marshall Falk. Um, I'm going to let you, uh, before we let you go, and this is the last one, um, as far as the running back position, and Emory, I know you're familiar with it, give me your best blocker, your best receiver, and obviously I think we kind of know who your best overall runner is, but you know, fill in those blanks for me. The best blocker, I think, is oh wow, that's a great question. I would say um, if I had to choose best blocker, you know what? I'm going to say it, it was Sony Michelle. He did a great yeah. job. Two things, two reasons why he was good at blocking. Um, blocking for a running back is about first and most importantly knowing who to block. So if you know who to block, you get in the way. You only have to get in the way for about a good second and a half. You're not a guard. You're not a tackle. You don't have to sit there and go through great passes. You ain't got to engage. You just got to chip exactly. man. Chip, play half a man and run him to where his momentum is going. So I think he has been the most consistent in doing so on, on film. And the best receiver is Kellen Balazs of Arizona State. Absolutely. You know, you, it depends on how you're looking at him, how you're viewing him. You can either view him as David Johnson or you can view him as Charles Clay. So he has that, that range I went, of I went with Larry Centers. Larry Centers, another one. Uh, coming out of Stephen F. Austin was yep. a guy, you know, a, a, a tailback but more of a receiver but ended up being a fullback. And so I think he is the one that is probably the more natural route runner, you know, consistent with his hands, catching a football out the backfield. And I don't grade running backs receiving skills on the basic meets expectations running back routes. Like, I expect you to catch swings, flats, screens, and flares. We're talking about downfield receiving, and that's what makes you a true threat at the position. I think that, you know, it, uh, aptly describes Kellen Balazs out of Arizona State. Okay, Amory, before I let you go, defensively, just give me a guy or two, you know, that Emory Hunt is extremely high on that maybe the rest of us don't know whether it's a cornerback because I know you dig deep. Yeah, it is a cornerback. Um, one of the, the, the best cornerbacks... I've seen for a while is Malik Reeves out of Villanova. Uh, and it's unfortunate that Rob Roll, the safety, got injured this year because Villanova would have had two pro prospects in the secondary. But Reeves has the matchup skills to play on the outside, on the inside, uh, got ball skills for days. And I think he is one that he was at the East-West Shrine game, played well all week long, caught an interception in practice uh, in red zone like he normally does in, in you know game action. But his ability to be patient and pick pick off passes reminds me a lot of of a former Jet and Marcus Williams out of North Dakota State. You know, mm-hmm. as far as how he always is in the right position to pick off a ball, and so I, I, I'm a big fan of his game. I think he's gonna be a phenomenal pro. Ah, thank you so much, Emory. Guys, Emory Hunt, CEO, founder, and analyst of Football Game Plan. If you guys do not know Emory or his work, guys. Get on it now. It's deep. It's elaborate. Follow him at F, capital F, capital B, game plan. Uh, he's one of my favorite guys to talk with. He knows the game inside and out, and I do always like to give a you know nod to guys who have played the game, so that's why you know I appreciate Emery's insight like I do. Guys, I appreciate everything you guys giving to the show. Uh, another phenomenal week here for the show. 
keep growing, keep growing. It's fantastic. You guys keep bringing great guest opportunities and you know suggesting who you want to hear. Got more coming this week for you guys. But uh, go ahead, follow Emery, follow the show at Locked On Browns, follow myself personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. I appreciate it, guys. I, I, I can't even get into it how deep you guys have been good to me. Thank you so much. Uh, and uh, we'll get back to it later in the week. And let's go Browns.